Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's Suggestible Pod. It's the only podcast that you're currently listening to, unless you're dual listening to podcasts, in which case you're an absolute madman. And people can live their lives however they like. Yeah, but that's offensive and unacceptable and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> that's where I draw Why the not? line. You watch and listen to many things all at one time, yeah, like some podcasts. kind of media octopus. Let's just talk about different medi- mediums here, though. Not two podcasts at the same time. Oh, yeah. All right. But you can watch something, be looking at your phone and working on a computer on your YouTube. Yeah. I don't Absolutely. know why I said like that. Anyway, boring. Hi, I'm Claire. You're James. Yep. And we suggest things for you to listen to one at a time, we apparently. Do. Yes. And so there's the second rule for this podcast. One, gentlemen's first. Two, always watch and listen to things one at a time. No. You, yeah, that's what you've said. I'm you said you, you can't gotta stick listen to, it to now. two podcasts at the same time. Oh, but other things you can. You can multitask. mix your medium. So you can read a book and listen to something, is no, what I'm saying. No, I am no. I am I am the definitive dictator of this show. And I say one thing at a time. You Gen Xs are all the same, mate. No, no. And I, I am the queen of doing many things at a time, but you never do them properly. You're also not one a Gen X. One thing at a time. I thought you would flip out yeah, on that. Yeah, I know. I turned 34 this week and even your mother thought that I was 35 because you have been like incepting the idea that I'm 35 and just a year older than I am for like 10 years. Everybody's confused now. Everybody is confused. <laughs> anyway, get on with your recommendation. Okay, the first... I don't uh, have a lot of time left. Look, I'm old. As people may have gathered from, from this conversation that I have made a habit over the years of being as annoying as possible. It's like one of my greatest strengths. Just be... Just an incredibly annoying human being on a day-to-day basis. One would say it's yeah. your gift, yeah, your would, only gift. I've, yeah, <laughs> I, I would not with that. I've probably toned it down over the years, don't get me wrong, but it's still in me. You know what I mean? I still like to use it. It's fun. Uh, so this is why my first recommendation, suggestible if you will speak to me, it's called Untitled Goose Game. Uh, <laughs> it's by actually a Melbourne uh, video game studio called House House. It's out on multiple platforms. So here's the description, if you're unaware of what this is. uh, It says, featuring a horrible goose, that's you, a town full of people trying to get on with their day, and a dedicated honk button. So basically, it it looks like this storybook (laughs) world. When you open it up, like your your head pops out of a a little hedge, and you wander around, and you just bother people. So like you steal the hat off a farmer, like grab all his stuff and throw it into the lake, like scare people so they like... When they're hammering something, they hit their own hand and fall over. I wish, listener, you could see the hand actions oh that are going God. with this description. I have to say, I don't like video games except for Zelda, as previously mentioned in Mario Kart. This may be now on the list of my favourite video games. You won't play it, though. I think you're, you're well beyond being able to use a controller now. Cause you're, yeah, I love it. Because there's too many buttons now, I think, these days. I um, think you've been out of the game for too long. Too simple-minded. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. To play a game where you just run around being a goose throwing right. rakes at people. That's not how it works, Claire. 
That's not you're not throwing rakes, you're stealing rakes. You're just being a bothersome goose. It's like a stealth game. If anyone ever played like the Hitman games or whatever, it's a much simpler version than that. So it's like you gotta kinda sneak up on people and like and just bo- <laughs> like you take the keys off their belt and, and like and, and, and lock them in something or whatever. It's just a really like it's short and it's fun. It's not it won't change your life, uh, but what games do. But it's just a like a brief kind of weird fun storybook world where you're just an annoying goose who just annoys people. And pulls people's carrots yeah. out of the gun. I actually had a visceral reaction when I saw the goose pull a tulip <laughs> yeah. out of the gutter because a tulip takes like freaking six months to grow. You have to put it in early at the exact right time and then they only flower for yeah. like a few weeks before they go a wilty or gross. Yeah, exactly. So if someone pulled my tulip out of the ground. He puts it back mate, though. I would kick that yeah. goose up its wazoo yeah. goose, over the fence. Yeah. Are, they're rude and, and annoying animals, but it's fun oh, to Your be dad one. loves them. He thinks they're watchdogs. He said when he was on the farm, he used to have geese as watchdogs. He also had dogs, though, so I don't know what he's talking about. He had that there. little tiny dog. You can't have two different types of watchdogs. It's offensive. <laughs> he had a chihuahua that was like this tiny, tiny dog that would just round up yeah. sheep. And it was, it was a terrible brilliant. dog. It only it hated everybody but him. But, but yeah. him, yeah. I feel like he trained I'm like, it that way. Why did you way. get Your this dog? Would. I never met it, but I'm like, why did you get this? Your dog? Your dad has the there? same trait as you. He likes to bother people. That's true. He is annoying. You are a goose. He likes the long con kind of prank as well. Yeah, your middle name is Goose. Yes, it is. Yeah, Jimmy, annoying goose. <laughs> That's my name. Anyway, uh, look, Untitled Goose Game. It's really cool, and it's it's fun that it's a Melbourne studio. I think that's really cool because uh, there is some good games being developed in Australia, but you kind of you know you don't necessarily know where anything comes from necessarily. But there's like a really small team, and it's fun. It's 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 a real blast. So. Bloody check it out if you like Untitled Goose, Goose Game. Yeah. I also enjoy that title. That's cool. Me too. All right, my turn? Yeah. All right, so this is also an Australian artist. Oh, you're doing time. a video game as well? Yes, I am. I'm doing a video game about an artist that bothers people and pulls out <laughs> their bloody hard-grown tulips. No, this is a documentary, actually. It's called Storm in a Teacup. It follows, um, it's created actually by Naya Pericles, who is the daughter of the famous Australian artist Leon Pericles. And it really chronicles dementia in a really kind of intimate setting, but also her father's, yeah, Yeah. her father's art career at the same time. um, Because her her mother, Moira Pericles, um, who was really instrumental in creating Leon's career, um, yes. has dementia. And so it kind of shows... At what quite a young impact. age as well. Yeah, yeah. Really in her 50s, like mm. very young. Um, why I loved it so much was that I didn't really know anything about Leon Pericles' art style as well. And he's created this whole gorgeous world called Widgey Murfup, which is... Or Widgey Murfup, which is... It's just like ridiculous, farcical, yeah. nonsense characters, all set kind of in an Australiana world, but all his artworks are kind of interconnected. And he was just outlandish and crazy. And one of those people, you know, with sort of grey, curly hair kind of springing off everywhere. Yeah. Um, he lives in WA by the beach. And you can just tell... He was. He just had that kind of like realization that there are no rules. Mm. You know, like he got all of his mates in like the seventies and early eighties to build this ginormous kite that was just the biggest kite they'd ever seen, and they won all these awards all over the world. And he got all his mates involved to build it, and it's just the most beautiful sight to see. And in the doco, they show footage of the kite back when it won awards in China and all different places, and then they pull it back out of its wrappings after twenty, thirty years and let it fly one more time and it's just the most poignant beautiful film 
Um, what I also loved was that Moira, his wife, was really the reason why he was so successful. Yeah, he would have just been making weird shit that nobody saw. Yeah, and he his, even uh, said uh, that, yeah. that a lot of his mates mm. wish he'd been married to someone like her because she was obviously so together and so clever and so strategic and just worked so hard to create a life for him. He ra- She raised his kids basically while he was off creating, you know, Crazy, exciting, incredibly like um, making big kites. Yeah, but also really intricate. A lot of his work is print work, so he does yeah, these or really, carvings. really yeah, or, or carvings, etchings. Think, etchings. Yeah. yeah, so really, really intricate work and paintings as well. Um, and just the seeing her through her daughter's eyes, and they have two kids, so um, Naya and then her brother. It was just such a beautiful, moving look at a life lived together as a yeah. couple and what they had built out of art and creativity over so many years and the impact they had on so many people, like his volumes of work. It was kind of mind-boggling. At the end, they have a big exhibition and it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of paintings flown in everywhere. Tim Minchin, one of my favourite musical guys, mm. um, he wrote the musical Matilda and is just a comic genius. He lived around the corner from them and spent a lot of time at their house. So yeah. he was friends with Naya and um, he's featured in the doco as well talking about what it was like. Like he said at the time he would go there because it was like a bohemian refuge as a kid because they were in this kind of sprawling house with this incredible garden. And yeah, um, he just the world kind of reminds me a little bit of Roald Dahl esque, yeah, it's definitely an element of that, you know, yeah, that kind of vibe. I think it's interesting as well because it's not, I mean, th- there is an exploration of like you see her going downhill and she's still quite lucid and you, you know, she can and joyful, and joyful, so and all joyful. those kind of things, but she's yeah. obviously, you know, not the person she used to be. But seeing how not only you know they struggle with. With that, but also the impact of her not being around and organising the art shows and kind of being the backbone of this family and how having that person, you know, disappear somewhat, how that changes the dynamic for everybody, for the worse. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and he's real like, well, not they're all struggling with it, obviously. I mean, of course yeah, you Yeah, but yeah. he obviously struggled. Mm. And then, but also he becomes the role of her carer. And yeah. now, um, with her father's permission, kind of really shows a light on what it's like to be a carer um, for someone and particularly for a spouse or someone really close to you and how often they're unsung heroes. They yeah. don't get talked about. People who are doing that kind of care work for loved ones with dementia or cancer or illness um, just do so many hours of uns- like selfless kind of microwaving food and but having to do all the other stuff as well. And yeah, you can really things, yeah. yeah. And so I just thought it, it was just a really beautiful documentary. It's currently on the ABC iView at the moment in Australia, but I'm sure you can also get it online and you can find yes. it too. Also just go and look at his art. It's so beautiful. He did an etching um, for Moira, which is a lighthouse surrounded by an ocean of flowers and there's kind of flags from different countries that spell out her name and it's just the most incredibly detailed, beautiful piece Mm. and it's sort of got musical notes everywhere because even though she's not, she doesn't have any long-term memory, she's not ever necessarily really sure where she is, she always had this incredible love of music and particularly string quartets and you see a scene where they sit together and they're just listening to this music and you can see her eyes are closed and she's just absorbed. Yeah. And there is something in watching someone who is so present. Mm. Like there's nothing else. There's no like kind of false ego or anything. She's just completely joyfully herself. And I mean, I'm sure there's obviously dark moments of confusion and lots of other things too, but 
she like she immediately even at the art gallery opening she's walking around and he's dressed her so beautifully Mm. and she just sees a a blue color on someone's top and is just taken by the color of it yeah and there's something kind of magical about that anyway i just thought she seemed like such an incredible woman and they together had a beautiful marriage so and continue to and continue to exactly um and nice seems really cool she's a producer and um works at artemis media which um makes a lot of incredibly interesting stuff so that's a recommendation hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Off you go, your turn. All right, Claire. Uh, do you, uh, knowing that you have, have you seen the movie Yesterday? Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed very much <laughs> in the forefront. Now it looks as though they're here to that stay. That is true, yes. Oh, I'm married to Jimmy Goose Clement. <laughs> uh, that was terrible. I didn't enjoy that. And I <laughs> hope sorry. nobody else did. But listen up, everybody. The movie yesterday. Suddenly. Oh, God. <laughs> I wish this podcast was 12 minutes long because then it would be Uh. over. Uh, So this is a movie directed by Danny Boyle, who's one of my favourite directors. He directed the movie Sunshine, which is one of my favourite movies of all time. It's a sci-fi movie in space where you've got to go and reignite the sun. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's really good. It sounds ridiculous. You never talked about it. I know. I should talk about it more. (laughs) It's also Mason's favourite movie. And if you ask him on Twitter, he'll definitely agree. But uh, basically, it's uh, it's directed by Danny Boyle. It's written by Richard Curtis. People probably know the story of this, but it also stars uh, Himesh Patel and Lily James. And it's essentially, it's he, this guy uh, gets in an accident. He's a, he's a failing singer-songwriter. He's, he's kind of, he's mediocre, I would say. Would you say that's a, that's a fair assessment? Yeah, he's yeah. not terrible. He's clearly got really great skills on guitar and a good vocalist. Yeah, but but his songs are a bit like, missing. yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So he, he then, he's, he's thinking about quitting music. He's like, I'm going to go back to teaching. Can you imagine? That's the worst oh, thing I've ever imagine. heard. Imagine. Oh, my go God. Go on back oh, to teaching. Just the thought of that. No. Uh, <laughs> and, but he gets in an accident and when he wakes up, uh, he lives in a world. It's essentially the same world that, that he's been in before and everybody still remembers him and everything, everything else for the most part, except people have forgotten the Beatles, like in their entirety. They do not exist. Their music doesn't exist. Maybe the Beatles themselves, the people who are in the Beatles don't exist. Things that have a flow and effect from the Beatles don't exist, like Oasis, for example. I thought that was a funny joke when he's Googling the Beatles and like the Rolling Stones still exist and then he Googles Oasis and they're not there and he's like, yeah, that figures. <laughs> I like Oasis, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So essentially it's uh, it, it brings uh, – he and then has this opportunity to create some of the most iconic mu- music of all time and claim it as his own and become very rich and ex- successful and so forth. What did you think of this movie, Claire? I really, I enjoyed it because it was fun and romantic and gentle and reminded me how much I love the Beatles. I mean, it's not sure. life-changing. I don't think it's about time, which happens no. to be like one of yeah. my favourite films. So, and it's not as good as love, actually. Richard Curtis, who wrote this, he's written like Four Weddings and Funeral. He's directed About Time, which is one of, I think, also one of my favourite movies. Love, actually, people probably most know him for. Uh, 
So he doesn't direct anymore, but he, this very much feels like more of his film than it does a Danny Boyle film. You kind of got that cast of wacky friends and you got that one particular friend who's a bit of a bloody dropkick, but he's, <laughs> he's just making a go of it or whatever. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. recognise the kind of Richard Curtis tropes in it and obviously the, the love elements. But yeah, it's definitely not his best movie. This I was watching and I think I said to you afterwards that it feels like it's more like kind of fairy floss in a good way. And I don't mean that in like a, a sickening no, it Why is, yeah. yeah. I, I did actually, it, it occurred to me while I was watching it and just because it's happened to me a lot recently where I watch things and I go, mm, man wrote it. Mm, oh, can right, tell. Okay. And this, and I never used to think that. I used to just watch rom-coms and be like, oh, the magical world. But now I'm looking at it and it's the same in a lot of his films. And not a bad thing, it's just the lens he's looking mm. at. Usually the romantic lead that's a woman in films like this, like of his particularly, um, is in love with the kind of like hopeless guy and she's always like smart or great and interesting and either he hasn't noticed yet or he's not good enough for her and she kind of gets to be this character that um, is kind of a little bit one-dimensional, like a little bit... Like she yeah. doesn't have the the humor, yeah. you know, that she doesn't get to be funny in the same I, way. I as think she the has her funny her funny moments in this, but no, yeah. I see I see what you're saying, and I, that's probably more prevalent in, in in some of his other movies than, than this one. But there is that kind of element of why would she waste her time following this <laughs> <laughs> fucking lo- loser guy. around? <laughs> I'm not saying that doesn't happen, of course. No, and he's, and not, he's not a loser. He's no, just, yeah. No, But he's also done that thing that he does, he did in About Time with Rachel McAdams. Like Lily James and Rachel McAdams are two stunning women. Yeah. And he does that thing where he's like, she's got glasses and a fringe. She's and got so curly she's a hair, can you believe it? She's oh, got curly, so she must be Gross. nerdy and no one will notice her except they're both stunning. Yeah. Um, and that's why they fall for the like nerdy dude or whatever. And look, and I love it. And that's it's part of it is fun to watch. And I like both of their characters. Yeah. I liked the friends part. Um, See, I, I, I thought the friends kind of lacked the depth of some of the other it's like Notting Hill, I think, is an example of like a really good cast of friends. Oh, it's those, such a good movie. Those dinner party um, yeah, scenes in they Notting feel Hill. Really real and, yeah, but they're there, my favourite part is, of that film. Yeah, these didn't feel as much like that. No, uh, yeah. no. They don't have enough time to no, that's with probably the characters true, too. Yeah. I did really enjoy his manager though. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Yes. I thought she was I thought hilarious. she was also in the end like un- not to spoil it, but she's kind of unnecessarily painted as a villain and she kind of gets her comeuppance in the end. And I'm like, did you really? She's just kind of doing <laughs> what music executives do. Yeah. And she's very upfront about, look, we're going to take a bunch of the money because I'm a music executive and, and whatever. we need to change your image because yeah. you look terrible. And like she calls fame the poison chalice and he and she's she's open about how yeah. like it's horrible in some ways. Yeah. And and he kind of I think because it, lack, it lacks a villain. I think. But what yeah. I thought was a, the most interesting element of it, the love stuff is fine. It's all pretty standard stuff. But he's put in a dilemma where he has access to these songs. He's the only one who does. And it's kind of one of those things, if he, he can hold on to them and not profit from it. But is that selfish? Because is the world better off for him releasing this music? Even if he does take credit, and even if you feel like a fraud, wouldn't the world be better off if... Sergeant Pepper's Blowing the Hearts. Yes, and the answer is yeah. absolutely, infinitely. I yeah. mean, hey, dude. See, yeah, amazing. absolutely. Yeah, I know. I just think, but it's. I think it. It's. It's interesting the way they kind of look at that, and he's and he struggles with it in the way that other people approach him yeah. about it. I think that that's that was the kind of the most interesting element for me. 
Yeah, yeah. What did you think of Yuri Minanenlosh? Well, that's a spoiler. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'll put a time code if you want to get ahead. It's not a massive oh, spoiler, but no. what, what do you say? Yeah, again? what did you think of John Lennon? Of yeah, Yuri? good. So he's playing, I think it's Robert Carlyle, who's Hamish Macbeth. It's a Hamish Macbeth, is it? Yeah. He's also a Bond villain. Uh, he's also, uh, he's in train spotting. People would, people would know him from things. Is that his name? Robert Carlyle? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, let's say it is. But uh, yeah, so they, so at one point, we can just spoil this now, I guess. People have seen it. It's been out for a thousand years and it's still in cinema. So I think it's about to hit streaming. But um, he visits John Lennon, who's 78. So because John Lennon was never in the Beatles, he was never shot in, in the 80s. Uh, so there's this sense of like, well, has he done the right thing? Is, is this a better world because John Lennon got to survive? And I feel like also this version of John Lennon that's shown in the movie is a better version than the real-life John Lennon, who by <laughs> all accounts was a bit of a massive prick. Was he? Yeah. Oh, I have this like romantic notion of John Lennon being like, Yoko, peace and love. I mean, he said all those things, but he also did some... Yeah. Oh, I mean, look, isn't that yeah. everyone's Everybody everyone's did, yeah. at some point an annoying goose in a video game? That's very true. <laughs> I was doing anyway, I would recommend, I probably wouldn't go see it at the movies, but I, it's a good yeah. date night movie, and I really would recommend settling in and watching it on a cold night. And the the, the music is, is good as well, like, they do good covers of. They do. The I mean, the beat. I was going to say the Beatles. Yeah, I know. Good. But the Beatles music is just okay. So, like across the universe, for example, is another. It's a Beatles musical where a lot of the reinterpretations they do are really good, and some are like, ugh. Yeah. But most of them are pretty good. This is pretty much straight, just re-recordings that mostly sound like, yeah, the originals. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, I mean, it's so it's good. It's the Beatles, you know. So what do you? Yeah. What do you do? It it doesn't really for me. What I loved about. It, listening to it was reflecting because they play his music and one of his songs and then, yeah. then he just like apparently just magically can play all these incredible songs and he has a battle off with Ed Sheeran yeah. and they both write a song in 10 minutes and he sings a song and it just reminded me again of how universal those songs are and, yeah. and it's really hard to, to put your finger on what it is that makes a song so iconic that everyone cries. Yeah. But it's and I guess it's like any art, right? Or any film. You can go to a film and then kind of almost question your entire existence and why you would ever bother to sit in a dark room and watch Absolutely. a screen. Or when you read a book or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then when you hit on a song or a film or a yeah. you know, book that is just life changing, you You're suddenly like, oh, that is it, yeah. why we're here. Yeah. You know? Um and doesn't happen very often, but yeah, and I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um no, really good. I'd recommend it. Can yeah. I do mine now? Yeah, sorry, just really quick. I just wanted something else I wanted to say. Yeah, I'm still I still really it's it's I've still been thinking about like if I had this, I can't play music, but if I had this knowledge, what would I do with it? You know, because I, I could, I'd have to learn to play music to release <laughs> the Beatles songs that I know, which is, you know, not all of them. But I don't know. I just think it's really interesting kind of dilemma to pose. I also think that if there were no Beatles and then they released them now, I wonder if the songs would even land. No, they would. And mm. I think that's what but I... in the same way that they did, because, you know, something that's revolutionary in the 60s and... And because they 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 so much fed from their yeah. music, no, I, I, I there's something timeless. There's something timeless. Like yeah. you see, Hey Jude performed by Paul McCartney in a stadium, and everybody's singing. And you know, there's just something about their music that is universal. Because, like we said before, it captures a, like something true about mm. human experience. And I think that that is why when you you get that feeling when you watch or read or listen to something, 
it's that, oh, that's me. Sure. I felt that. And that's what I love about time because there's moments in that film where I go, oh, God, I know that. that Somewhere true. Somewhere about time's incredible. Down. I was about to mm. say, if you want a good Beatles cover, Ben Harper does an excellent cover of Strawberry Fields. Yeah, I love that. That's really good. I mean, I Am Sam also has some covers of the Beatles. That's from that album, yeah. Yeah, that's a really great album. I mean, I really also liked Across the Universe. Yeah, me too. Yeah, um, I Want to Hold Your Hand. The cover of that is brilliant. Oh, look, there's just so many covers of those songs that are breathtaking and then some that are just terrible. Agreed. But, you know, that's the brilliance of their songs, that they can be translated to so many different And I love music. Oh, here he goes. Okay, can I do mine now? Fine, Claire. I mean, that was ours. I brought that to us oh, together. together. To All right, discuss. okay. Well, excellent. I get an extra one then. What? Woo-hoo. <laughs> okay, so it was my birthday this week. and Who cares? Uh, okay, well, I care because I'm now 35 or 4 or something. <laughs> Who knows? And um, my sister sent me this beautiful book. It's a recipe book. And it came along with a beautiful little book of recipes from my family that my sister and my brother and my mum, my other brother's in China, so he's going to add some later, um, wrote in it. But it was such a beautiful suggestion for a present that I wanted to talk about it because I I cried at the restaurant. It was so embarrassing. I had to go and sit in the toilet. (laughs) No, but it was just such a beautiful idea as a gift because it was so thoughtful and it's just – there's nothing better than those rec- those recipes that are really just precious to people. Like my sister's put in her best brownie recipe, which I have to say they are brilliant. Stuff with chicken sandwiches and fish tacos. Um, and she's got a really excellent recipe um, for pasta. There's a few zucchini pasta and dinner guest pasta, which is um, roasted ricotta, roasted cherry tomatoes, basil, salt and pepper, chili flakes, garlic, dried spaghetti and lemon. And just loads of olive oil and um, you roast all of it together, let the tomatoes kind of dribble into the juices and then stir warm spaghetti through it and then grate parmesan over the top and delicious. Anyway, because of that, it got me thinking also about food and I wanted to share the recipe book she sent with me as well, sent to me as well. It's called Midnight Chicken and Other Recipes Worth Living For by Ella Risbridger. Um, Ella Risbridger is, um, she lives in London and she's a freelance writer, um, but she had a lot of mental health issues. She went through quite, a, and she kind of talks about it in the book. So they're all recipes that kind of brought her back to herself, which I thought was such a beautiful way of thinking about food and life and music I think can do that for people too Mm. that she felt disconnected from everything she was suicidal at one point and tried to walk in front of a bus and her story and the way she writes about how learning and teaching herself to cook really like simple humble ridiculous recipes that are delicious with a glass of wine in her hand kind of brought her back to life and brought her back to what life is really about and I think um, what is life really about (laughs) I know you hate this stuff but no Claire what what, does it all mean you know what I mean you know to me to me it's family (laughs) to me it's good food no I just think that often with some people walking around a lot of us are walking around a bit disconnected from what really kind of means something and matters and sometimes life can seem a bit grey and the idea like the the name Midnight Chicken comes from a recipe 
called Midnight Chicken, which is just the best roast chicken recipe you'll ever have. And she just writes about how to cook it. At You know, she cooked it one night at 10 p.m. with a glass of wine in her hand and ate it at midnight dipping bread into the juices. And you uh, are looking at me like, Ugh. Well, to me, I think Midnight Chicken, I think chicken that burgles houses. That's what I think. <laughs> Or a midnight goose, perhaps. Ah, that goose would houses. definitely do it. Um, anyway, I wanted to read you a little passage. So I'll read you the back of it first. Things to remember. This book has three main morals, and I urge you to remember them and apply them liberally. Number one, salt your pasta. If in doubt, butter. And number three is keep going. And I love that. Um, and this is from just the first part of the story, because um, it is a story, a story about living and food. Um, The cooking you will find here in this book is the kind of cooking you can do a little bit drunk. It's the kind of cooking that is probably better if you've got a bottle of wine open and a hunk of bread to dredge in the sauce. It's the kind of cooking that will forgive you if you forget about it for a little while or if you're less than precise with your weighing and measuring. It's the kind of cooking that's there for you when you come home pig-nosed from walking. It's the kind of cooking that makes everything feel okay. It's the kind of cooking that saved my life. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And so I can't wait to make some of these recipes. They just look absolutely incredibly delicious. Do you have to make the midnight chicken at midnight or could I watch it? uh, Could I make it at a reasonable hour? Um, No, you have to make the chicken. I don't want to be eating bread and chicken at midnight, Claire. I have a very strict eating window. You don't look this good by accident. There's a series of decisions that I make in my life. (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, anyway, there's a particular pie recipe called Danny the Champion of the the Pie. Oh, based on Um, the Danny the Champion of the World book. I guess so, yeah. yeah. And I really want to make that pie because it sounds incredibly delicious. But there's so many other recipes in there too. Well, I really want to wrap up this show because we're fast approaching 30 minutes. We are. Okay, so Elise has been Suggestible Pod. You can tweet us at Suggestible Pod with your recommendations or on Instagram, which is um, also where we are. Or on Facebook because Collings, who edits this show, has made us a Facebook group. You are our Facebook page. So I have a recommendation from Ren Seller on Instagram. Hola. May I suggest a podcast called, I really like that greeting. May I suggest a podcast called Creative Processing with Joe Gordon-Levitt. It's a great listen where he has a different guest or guest each week and they explore one serious question relating to a creative process. There's only been a few episodes so far, but I'd recommend the Ryan Johnson episode and the one with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Mm. No, Ryan Johnson is. No. He directed Looper, which you may have oh, seen. Yes. But he also did The Last Jedi, which is like the most controversial Star Wars. But I love that's only that might be my favourite Star Wars. I like Wars. it as well. I love the weird milk. Well, bit. if you like Star Wars, that that Star Wars, that's you suck and you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well anyway, about. this is a great recommendation. <laughs> and there's also one where you find out, among other things, that Seth Rogen likes to make pottery. I tried that for a while. Yeah, I remember um, that week where you did make pottery. Yeah. <laughs> you bought a bunch of clay. There's a couple more than weeks than that. Nah, anyway, let's not one, anyway, ourselves. also check out Sarah Pascoe's book. I'm oh, it's one on my it's on my list, an accompanying podcast called Sex, Power and Money, where she explores how these three things affect our day to day lives. I've got that on my reading list because Deborah Francis White from The Guilty Feminist also recommended that. All right, your turn. I've got a review here from – look, if you want to – it really helps out the show. Just open your app and give it a bloody five stars and a nice review. If you can, you don't have to, but do it. What's wrong with you? Come on. Please. It's what life's all about or whatever, isn't it, Claire? And then make your midnight chicken. Uh, yeah, well, speaking of, this is from FTN Chicken. 
says, uh, name a more iconic duo, I'll wait. Uh, I'm pretty sure I already wrote a five-star review back when the show started, but I felt compelled to write another one. Does this help the stats? I don't know. I especially love the discussion about the work of Annabelle Crabb. I'm a public health researcher working in Bangladesh, and one of the things my research focuses on is reducing the barrier between what is considered traditional masculine and feminine roles. I appreciate the nuanced discussion you guys actually managed to have on the issue in between roasting each other. Too many parts of the internet are blindly pushed their agenda without even considering the issue at all. Uh, by the way, I love being part of the Planet Broadcasting cult uh, best. From ah, Shabab. Thanks, yeah. Shabab. Excellent. Well, there you go. So. I prefer FTN chicken. I think that's uh, <laughs> a bit of name. Okay. Thanks, Jimba. That's the show. Next week we'll be back. You, you won't even believe – this is a bit of sizzle for next week. You're not even going to believe the recommendation we've got lined up next week. You're going you're gonna to lose it. You're going to lose your tiny mind. Tiny minds, Claire. Or that's not mind. how you get people to come back by insulting them. You say pandering things to them. All like, right. we've got the best listeners in the world. <laughs> this wouldn't be possible without any of you. This is really a show about you, the listener. That's what you're going to do. Trust right. me, Claire. You're an expert. I am. You are. All right. Bye, okay, everyone. Okay, Goose. See ya. <laughs> Happy 35th birthday, Claire, by the way. I'm 30 freaking four. four five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.